0: It's Friday, August 28th, and the Republican National Convention from Washington, D.C. ended last night. Charlotte's half-day convention ended earlier this week. From WFAE, Charlotte's NPR source, I'm Lisa Ward.
1: And I'm Steve Harrison.
0: And this is the Inside Politics Podcast,
1: the RNC in Charlotte. (laughs)
2: But he said, according to the rules and regulations, the most people you're allowed to have in that room, meaning that arena, he viewed it as a room, is 10 people. I say, so, Governor, so I'm at 19,000, you're at 10. Can we work something in the middle? And it didn't sound too good.
0: In this episode, we're going to look back at Charlotte's moment in the spotlight. We'll look at the controversy inside the convention center of delegates often not wearing masks and how the GOP overall didn't wear them during their four-day convention.
1: And how that compared to the DNC, where Democrats wore them at nearly every turn, even in situations where they arguably weren't needed.
0: And later in the episode, we'll look at President Trump's two speeches. The freewheeling, nearly hour-long speech at the convention center on Monday – compared with the formal teleprompter acceptance speech Thursday night in Washington, D.C.
1: So let's start with Charlotte's convention. The Republican National Committee held two days of meetings at the Westin before they moved over to the convention center Monday morning for the half day RNC.
0: And the president did a sort of bait and switch and bait again. On Friday, the White House said he was coming, building anticipation. Then his travel schedule indicated he'd only land at Charlotte Douglas before boarding a flight five minutes later to the western part of the state.
1: Well, on Monday, midway through the roll call, he and the vice president showed up at the convention center. Still, it was really a low-key event. The national media covered it, although often in a split-screen way, because there were congressional hearings about the post office at the same time.
0: Trump even brought that up in his speech at the convention center. He talked about how bothered he was about that. Air Force One has all these TVs, and he said he had to flip around to C-SPAN and the far-right cable news channel, One America News Network, to find a clean stream of the roll call.
1: The roll call took up most of the morning. The GOP had a simple white background, and one of the six delegates from each state and territory gave a brief speech where they talked about their state. And it wasn't choreographed much for TV like the Democrats did a week earlier with their acclaimed pre-tape videos from each state, that showcase their state's uniqueness. I think it's worth talking about that the roll call was done by the most loyal of loyal party delegates, and it really wasn't pre-packaged to appeal to swing voters. For instance, here was Arizona. Where unborn babies matter, a flattened China plague curve,
2: and miles and miles and miles a big, beautiful wall.
1: And here was Louisiana.
2: Louisiana is a pro-life state where we love
1: both mother and child, but where Joe Biden is hiding in the dark, waiting to take the lives of our unborn babies.
0: North Carolina's roll call was handled by John Stewart from Union County. John wore a tailor-made black and white sport coat that has multiple pictures of President Trump on it.
1: And it's safe to say that jacket was or is a little ridiculous. Those are John's words, not mine. (laughs)
2: That's the most ridiculous thing uh, you will ever see. Uh, Last summer, I saw the Kentucky governor was wearing a different version of it at the Kentucky State Fair. So I called his office and was like, you know, I got to find out where he got it from. And there's a custom soup maker in Kentucky who made them. He had like
1: 300 of them made. And here is Stewart speaking at that roll call. History
2: is made in North Carolina with our first settlements in the late 1580s and as one of the original 13 colonies. History was made May 20th, 1775 with the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence History was made in 1795 with the first public university in America, the University of North Carolina. Today, it's the home of North Carolina A&T State University, the largest historic black college in America.
0: Now, Steve, before we get to President Trump's two speeches, the big controversy out of Charlotte's mini convention was about masks. The RNC's health consultant told you definitively that everyone would be wearing masks at the convention. And then on Monday morning, not so much.
1: Yeah, I think once the meeting started and people got excited, a lot of the masks came off, especially when the president arrived. People rushed the stage, danced to the YMCA and all that. Um, But I think it's important to know that they were in a semi-bubble. Like we talked about before, they had been tested twice, once at home and once when they arrived. Mecklenburg County said on Friday that two people attending the convention tested positive, as well as two people in a support role. The county said they were immediately isolated and weren't part of the convention. But, you know, Lisa, here's what I want to know. If they drove here, then okay, they can turn around and just go home. But we don't know where they were from. Did they hop on a plane and go back home? I'm not sure we'll ever know. And going back to everyone being in that semi-bubble once the convention started, it is possible that someone did get infected when they left the hotel for dinner over the weekend.
0: But at the same time, rules are rules, and they agree to Mecklenburg County's rules and the state's rules.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that was really the biggest thing. I think you can argue a little bit about the safety of it, but I think it was also a lack of respect toward the hosts who agreed to have this party.
0: Now, of course, at the Democratic National Convention,
1: masks were everywhere. Yes, the image that the two parties put out is quite different. At the DNC, you had a lot of moments where people were wearing masks when they were outside and already six feet apart. Those are moments where CDC guidelines say you don't have to wear them. And there was the moment last Thursday night when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their spouses joined together at the end of the DNC. They were outside and they were wearing masks. So again, how will people on the fence see that? Will they see Democrats as being responsible and modeling good behavior? Or will they see it as virtue signaling? And and I don't know. The RNC is betting on the latter.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break now. When we get back, we're going to look at Trump's convention speech in Charlotte, and his acceptance speech at the White House. One difference, in Charlotte, Trump gave Mark Harris a surprising shout out. He was the Republican who won the 2018 primary for the 9th Congressional District in North Carolina. But an operative of his was accused of ballot fraud. and He ended up pulling out of the race.
1: Hey folks, today's podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you to the listeners who submitted their questions on WFAE.org slash inside politics. And thank you to the listeners who made a contribution to WFAE to support breaking news and in-depth reporting. If you're enjoying today's episode and learning something new from Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte, make sure to give this podcast a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. And if you wanna support the podcast even further, Become a member of WFAE with a donation of any amount, $5, $10, $15, you name it. Just hit the donate button on WFAE.org slash InsidePolitics. And thanks.
0: Okay, we're back. So let's start with the two acceptance speeches. The first one in Charlotte on Monday and then Thursday night speech in Washington, D.C.,
1: And they were just so incredibly different. The Charlotte speech was a MAGA rally inside a ballroom, while the speech on the White House lawn was one of those rare times the president reads from a teleprompter. Those speeches always sound
0: so stilted.
1: Yeah, they they do seem strange. Both speeches began with the crowd chanting, Four more years. But immediately after that, they just went into two completely different directions. Here is the start of the Charlotte speech, which immediately pivoted to an attack on male voting.
2: Now, if you want to really drive them crazy, you say more years. Uh, 12, years. 12 more years. Because more
1: years.
2: we caught them doing some really bad things right. in 2016. Let's see what happens. We caught them doing some really bad things. We have to be very careful because they're trying it again with this whole 80 million mail-in ballots that they're working on, uh, sending them out to people that didn't ask for them. They didn't ask, they just get them.
1: And then here's the White House speech. Thank you very much.
2: Friends, delegates, and distinguished guests, please. I stand before you tonight, honored by your support, proud of the extraordinary progress we have made together over the last... Four incredible years.
0: And in that speech in North Carolina, he mentioned the 9th Congressional District mail ballot scandal. That's where a political operative working for the Republican candidate Mark Harris is accused of illegally collecting or harvesting completed mail ballots. Trump specifically talked about Harris.
2: Harvesting is illegal in your state. They wanted to put a Republican fine man. A pastor, they wanted to put him in jail because he harvested. Now they want to make harvesting legal all of a sudden. They'll put him in jail as a Republican, right? If he was a Democrat, they wouldn't even be thinking about it.
1: Harris was investigated, but the Wake County District Attorney said recently he won't be charged. And the idea of making harvesting legal is a big issue for Republicans. It's legal in California for a third party to collect completed mail ballots. And the GOP believes that a flood of mail voting, possibly illegal, but there's no evidence to back that up, cost them numerous House seats in 2018. And in North Carolina this year, the state Democratic Party proposed making it legal to collect mail ballot request forms and completed mail ballots because of the pandemic. But the state didn't do that.
0: And then later in his Charlotte speech, the president summed up his overarching theme about mail voting, which he's done in
2: the past. What they're doing is using COVID to steal an election. They're using COVID to defraud the American people, all of our people, of a fair and free election. And we can't do that.
1: And we should say there's absolutely no evidence that Democrats are using COVID to steal the election. And that at least one pro-Trump organization in North Carolina is sending mail ballot request forms to voters. That's the very thing the president says facilitates cheating.
0: Okay. before we go any farther, it's worth talking about the crowd at the White House, which had never before been the setting of a political style rally. People started making comparisons to President Obama's joke from the 2011 White House Correspondents Dinner when he showed an image of the White House that had been rebranded as a Trump casino.
1: And on Wednesday night, for Vice President Mike Pence's speech at Fort McHenry, there were about 150 people sitting in chairs that were spaced apart. And at the White House speech, there were probably 1,500 people sitting closely together.
0: They were outside, but hardly anyone was wearing masks.
1: Although Senator Tom Tillis was there, and he was wearing a mask in a photo he tweeted out at the start of the night. But then later during the speech, Tillis was seen on camera in the crowd not wearing a mask. And
0: the White House speech was far different than the president's Charlotte Convention Center speech. While mail voting was the main theme of Monday, the president spent much of Thursday trying to disqualify Biden from the presidency.
1: The other main theme on Thursday was law and order. They were often woven together. Joe Biden is
2: weak. He takes his marching orders from liberal hypocrites, who drive their cities into the ground while fleeing far from the scene of the wreckage.
0: And unlike the Charlotte speech, the president spent a significant time Thursday talking about the pandemic. His message was that the pandemic is mostly in the past, that his travel ban was a crucial bulwark against the virus spreading, and that vaccines are coming quickly.
2: We will defeat the virus and the pandemic and emerge stronger than ever before.
1: It was interesting that in the Charlotte speech, the president did briefly mention the death toll from the virus, 175,000 people, but at the White House speech, he didn't give an actual number. In the China travel ban, it is interesting. During the speech, Trump said that not enacting it would have meant hundreds of thousands of more people would have died, which is a made-up number. There's just no way to know that. And he said that no one who needed a ventilator was ever denied one.
0: No, today the U.S. certainly has a surplus of ventilators. And the expected shortage never arrived. PolitiFact fact-checked that statement in late April and said it was true, that it couldn't find a specific instance of someone being denied a ventilator. It quoted New York Governor Andrew Cuomo from early April saying, the state had not, quote, lost anyone because we didn't have a bed or we didn't have a ventilator.
1: And then 70 minutes after it began, the speech was over. The fireworks started. Possibly the strangest political convention ever was over.
0: And that concludes today's episode of Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte. Thanks to Steve Harrison helping us navigate all the twists and turns of the convention for the past nine months.
1: Happy to help, Lisa.
0: And while the RNC has concluded, the 2020 presidential election is still in full swing. Catch more of WFAE's local and national coverage by telling your smart speaker to play WFAE. For more politics updates, subscribe to Inside Politics for free on Apple Podcasts, NPR One or WFAE.org slash Inside Politics. If you like the episode, make sure to give it a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can support WFAE's journalism by hitting the donate button on WFAE.org. Until next time, I'm Lisa Ward. Catch you real soon on Inside
1: Politics. Inside Politics.